0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where sometimes things explode.
1: <laughs> my name is William Bibiani, I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. Uh, the way you introduced it, Sometimes Things Explode, makes it sound like it's going to be really contentious. Mm. It's going to be hotly debated. Films on the podcast? No, which, we just, which we do sometimes.
0: Maybe, but I just meant that like literally, but, uh, just things around my apartment are a little unstable
1: right now. All right, just keep keep the nitroglycerin <laughs> steady. Yeah. Uh podcasts of fear. Uh, but that that's not our hook. We're we're no. not we're not the contentious podcast. No we're not, not the really quickersome no. critics. No, I don't think we're, uh, we so, some ones more than others, but we get on each other's faces a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you're a the,
0: big jerk with your jerk face. No, I can't help it if I have better taste than you. Neither can I. Uh this week on Critically Acclaimed, we got some catching up <laughs> to do. Uh last week we didn't have a critically acclaimed episode because there actually wasn't much out like, we, and we'd only seen, like, a film and a half each, and... Uh, it just barely seemed, like, worth putting an episode together at that yeah. point. We'll wait, other stuff to catch up on. So we decided we'd save it, and now we have a big, gold, double-decker episode uh, for you, because here's what we're release, uh, releasing... Reviewing this week on Critically Acclaimed. Uh, Asgar Farhadi's A Hero. New York Ninja. <laughs> Home Team. The Ice Age Adventures of Buckwild. A Taste of Hunger, The Fallout, and The House. You
1: know, those films aren't like The Fallout is kind of a downbeat and very emotional movie. Yeah. It doesn't really uh, warrant the sort of Mr. Movie Phone introduction you gave it there.
0: All movies warrant a Mr. Mm
1: Movie Phone introduction. That's the one thing they all have in common. I do remember when, you know, Movie Phone was a thing that we did. Yeah. Call call your your area code, 777-FILM, and they would talk it through. A little recording would tell you the titles of all of the local movies, depending on which letters you entered on the keypad. I honestly wonder what the last movie
0: I checked on movie phone was. It might have been, if I'm going to guess, might have been Cold Mountain.
1: Oh, yeah. Cold Uh, Mountain. Yeah. You have selected Cold Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. um, I I do recall an instance where uh, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, we wanted to see a movie, and we didn't have smartphones, we just had the flip phones. So we called Movie Phone, hmm. and it wasn't quite working with the little keypads. And uh, it was like you, you have selected enter your zip code. It just wasn't reading. Yeah. And out of frustration, uh, my my wife like sort of just mashed her knuckles into the <laughs> keypads. Like, ah, why didn't you work? You know, kind of comically. And after that, it said, you have selected Norbit. And, uh, (laughs) it's like, no, we definitely didn't. We didn't want to see Norbit. You have purchased 38 tickets to (laughs) Norbit. No, fuck. Ah, I hope you're on your way because it starts in five minutes. No, no (laughs) refunds. Ah, that's the way you got your tickets back in the day. Good times. Um, anyway, we got, uh. But let's that, review uh, some, yeah. let's review these movies. Let's, let's talk about what's happening
0: right now, shall we? Sure. Let's actually, uh, you know, be, be in the here and now. Although people mov, actually... Movie
1: Phone is still a thing. There's a oh, website, yeah. moviephone.com. Yeah. So if you wonder why it's called Movie Phone, yeah, that's funny. why it used to be a phone. What do you want to start with, Whitney? Uh, let's talk about New York Ninja, because this is a fascinating thing.
0: This is one of the most interesting films that's, like, coming out
1: this month. Uh, especially considering it was, should have come out in 1984. Well, I'm not sure if it should have come out. <laughs> It was, just, it was shot in 1984. Uh, yeah. The deal with New York Ninja is uh, Vinegar Syndrome, the uh, video product, uh, releasing company, mm. uh, found, they, I think they literally found these in a dumpster. They, 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 th- they were in a warehouse. They have a warehouse okay. full of
0: stuff. Vinegar Syndrome is a uh, DVD and Blu-ray distribution company. Really, really great one. And the raison d'etre is to clean up, like really just spruce up, make them look nice.
1: Uh, trash. A lot of like like a lot of sleaze, a lot, a lot of sleazy movies, a lot of just straight up pornography. Yeah,
0: um, yep. Some some mm. of it is actually like interesting artistically. Some of it is not. Uh, sometimes they get their hands on uh, low budget horror movies that nobody's thought given a second glance to in mm. decades. But because Vinegar Syndrome put it out nice, we give it the time of day and we realize, oh, actually, that's pretty good. Mm. Um, they've got mostly have impeccable taste in crap. Like They're they're, They're they're not quite The criterion
1: uh... of crap But they're pretty close They're as close as we got Yeah Uh you can find a lot of uh, Vinegar Syndrome movies on the Night Flight channel. Mm-hmm. Get Night Flight Plus; they uh, they have their own sort of devoted section to Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, the name Vinegar Syndrome comes from uh, what happens to film when it degrades. Yeah. When you uh, have a, a thirty-five millimeter acetate print around for too long, it starts to rot after a while. Yeah, it's the
0: chemicals and, to start you know, to go. And
1: when uh, when film starts to rot and shrink, it uh, you know something about the enzymes and the chemicals in the dye and in the actual cellulose uh gives off this very powerful odor that smells a lot like vinegar. So uh um, when you open up a, a film can, you get this you're hit with this huge like it smells like a fish and chip shop. So they call it vinegar syndrome. Yeah. Uh vinegar syndrome, the video company found a bunch of reels for a film with no sound. You, there was supposed to be a,
0: sound, but the sound was gone.
1: The sound was gone and they went through these this uh this movie and they found it it was shot in New York in 1984. Uh, by a, a established uh, kung fu star, oh uh, yeah, John, John Liu. John Liu, uh, and you look up John Liu's career, and he you know he did a lot of uh, kung fu movies, mm-hmm. and he and I think this was part of like a series that he was going to do these ninja movies.
0: Ninjas were incredibly popular uh, yeah. in America so, in the nineteen eighties, so, so throw a ninja uh, in something, you were going to make some money.
1: He made this movie and. There was no sound, and from what I understand, they only had like a, a some like a partial script. It wasn't like a, an actual screenplay mm-hmm. for this movie. And Vinegar Syndrome using lip reading, sometimes <laughs> sometimes, and also and and the script were able to sort of piece together what this film would have looked like had it had sound. Yeah. Uh
0: so and they cleaned look, it up, they edited it together, it, they, and in order to... They edited it together
1: as best as they could figure out, yeah. and they hired a lot of known like B-movie luminaries to dub the voices of... The characters on screen.
0: So, for example, the protagonist of the film, played by director John Liu, is now being voiced by Don the Dragon Wilson. Not No small get, basically. Uh, you've got uh, genre luminary Linnea Quigley playing a, one of the detectives. You've got uh, the inimitable Michael Berriman He's great. From uh, The Hills Have Eyes and Weird Science. Uh, honestly, doing what sounds like an impeccable Jeffrey Combs impersonation. <laughs> like, I thought it was Jeffrey Combs, actually, initially, and, when they I'm, started. And I'm
1: used to Michael, yeah. be- Michael Berryman uh, has this wonderful yeah. kind of um, it's like sinister voice he puts mm-hmm. on in a lot of his roles. It had to be done, Lieutenant. Yeah. And it was kind of weird to hear him. Do this other impersonation, but he plays the, the villain of the piece. Yeah,
0: uh, quick correction. Linnea Quigley doesn't play the detective. Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, uh, yeah. Martial arts, dark, extraordinaire Cynthia Rothrock plays the detective. Linnae Quigley plays a reporter who's reporting and all the ninja goings on. And uh, Ginger Lynn plays uh, John Liu's wife who dies very quickly into the yeah. movie and gives him a reason to don ninja garb mm-hmm. and roller skate around <laughs> New York City
1: chopping people up with swords. Uh. It's, uh, th- th- this is an odd animal because they, were, they weren't going for authenticity. It seems like they were trying to construct a cult phenomenon, Vinegar Syndrome, mm-hmm. along the lines of something like Samurai Cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you know Samurai Cop, it was directed by um, Amir Shervan is the director's name. And um, this completely bizarre zero-budget film uh, with Robert Zadar about a cop who's a samurai well he has a samurai sword in one scene yeah that he's a samurai has almost nothing to do with the movie it's just a good title yeah Yeah. Samurai Cop yeah the the Amir Shirvan trilogy is wonderful Hollywood Cop Samurai Cop and Killing American Style Uh, and these are sort of underground films that get a little bit of a toehold and they start becoming uh, sort of big on the midnight circuit yeah eventually we track down the stars and we talk to the directors and the mystery is sort of gone
0: I feel, often, like, yeah, often, I
1: feel like, like you can see the cycle happening.
0: The question is whether was this made with cynicism or with sincerity. If yeah. uh, made with sincerity, I, I feel like the it's very easy to keep the cult going. If it's made with cynicism now we're just trying to make a quick buck, mm. we start losing interest.
1: I, I think something else happens where it gets a little overexposed. That happened That's with true. Troll too. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't book Troll 2 as a midnight show anymore. People wouldn't be so interested. I think mm-hmm. it, that that one sort of played itself out.
0: I think uh, I feel like that happened with the Miami Connection. I feel yeah, like everyone I mean. was so ready to canonize the Miami Connection. Miami Connection's fun, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's about a bunch of martial arts uh, orphan adults who live in the same house together and they have a band about ninja mm-hmm. stuff. Like they sing about ninja stuff and then they fight some guys it's a very entertaining schlocky movie, but I felt uh, like it was, everyone told me this is the next big thing. Just accept it now oh. that it kind of like, I felt like I was being forced to be amused by that one. <laughs> like maybe it would have been better yeah, that yeah. it happened more
1: organically
0: than it had, but okay. Well,
1: yeah. Miami can, it was another one of the, those yeah. things where, uh, I think it was Al- Alma draft house on Miami yeah. connection. Discovered discovered this, him, yeah. Yeah. This kind of oddity from 1990. Miami. Yeah. Connection, late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, yeah, they so they, they decided to clean it up and release it in theaters saying this is this is bug nuts. You yeah. guys gotta see this. This is thing. the new
0: Rocky Horror or whatever. Well yeah. yeah.
1: and they're trying to sort of prepackage the cult phenomenon. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happening with New York Ninja. Vinegar Syndrome is trying to kind of push this forward as a prepackaged cult thing. This is a
0: big discovery.
1: Rather than rather than find this footage and try to recreate it as accurately as possible. Well, they're I feel like you're 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 <sighs> Well, I'm listening to the score. Yeah. And I'm listening to. A, the score is, is sort of the biggest giveaway. Yeah. Because they're not giving a, an organic type of score that this movie would have had in 1984. No, it's. it's they're giving it's, a very retro synths kind of It's sound, retro
0: synth. No yeah. denying it.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's true of a lot of uh, sort of the editing and maybe even the performances where they're sure. kind of. There's a lot of uh, almost Popeye like ADR where there's a lot of chattering going on in the background and like they're clearly just getting a lot of the actors in the booth and. Playing up the camp a little bit too yeah, but much, but
0: you're selling it as though it's like full mm. of like bizarre, wacky dialogue or something like that, and it's not. This isn't like Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Oh well, no, where they made no, no, it no. something super campy. No, they're not and silly. They're not, they're not pumping altering. it full of jokes.
1: They're not altering what the film is fundamentally. No, but no, I feel, no. Like, I feel they're... like
0: they're just made it with a bit more of a modern sensibility. They're yeah, not I trying think... to accurately recreate exactly what it would have been, but there are people who clearly have a taste for the types of movies that they would have seen they didn't have extensive reconstruction notes like orson welles left for touch of evil <laughs> yeah. they're just doing the best that they could yeah. and they thought it would be it worked and honestly you know you 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 i guess you say find it distracting i Mostly looks about right, mm-hmm. I think it mostly feels about right the The audio is you know pretty crap, but i'm used to seeing a lot of movies that were shot without audio in the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. that were overdubbed. Sometimes the original audio was lost forever, and that's or it was never intended to have original audio and yeah. this is just people cared only so much about how good the performances would be i'm used to all of that i I actually think that this is actually. Again, I, who can say this is exactly how it would have turned out? Probably not. But it, this reads pretty close to me. This mm. doesn't read like it's winking. This doesn't read like some sort of uh, camp spectacle. This reads to me like people who really enjoy the very sincere genre of filmmaking that this is. Early 80s ninja mm. shit. And, and just uh, wanted to put it together as best they could with mm. what they had. And rather than... I mean, you could have, like, busted your ass to make sure everything would have been perfectly period appropriate, and we recorded it in the exact same sound studio that we would have. <laughs> they're not going to do that. No, I feel, like, I feel well. like they get away with it pretty well.
1: Uh, they get away with it that's pretty well. As a restoration well, but, uh, project, it's an interesting experiment. It, it, that's what it is. It's an interesting yeah. experiment. Yeah. I don't think it's 100% successful. Hmm. Uh, just because of what I was talking about, I feel like it, it feels a little bit manufactured to me. Just sort of, they're trying to push the sensibility of this movie in a direction where it doesn't go, rather than just letting it be the piece of crap that it is. Uh, and New York Ninja is a piece of crap. It's a fun piece of crap. Oh, uh, it, it's well, not amazing to, to, to it's a not degree. Um, it's, yeah, I've had fun watching it. It's no samurai cop, but no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, the, the the story is predictable and kind of nonsensical. Well, there's, it starts. What off happens with, is yeah. there's uh, the main character, who's John Liu, uh, has a wife who's murdered right in the first scene. Yeah, there's a crime wave in New York city. Mm. Women are being kidnapped left
0: and right. She sees a woman being kidnapped. She tries to stop it. They kill her. Boom. Now he's, so so he's vows revenge and decides mm. to become a ninja. And become a vigilante and stop these bad guys who are being led by the plutonium killer who um, is a serial killer driving around in the back of a limousine who is also completely radioactive.
1: He's like deliberately irradiates himself and he's like, he gets high off of it. Like yeah. he cackles and you know bugs his eyes out. Which feels like it comes from a different movie, but okay. And yeah, and then uh, lures women into the back of his limo where sometimes he murders them and sometimes he kidnaps and brings to his... Uh, like slavery ring, yeah, which is like out in the the boonies of New York. It looks like it's on like Shredder's island or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just somewhere out there. You know, like, so New York City's all really densely packed, except for this bit. And it's it, <laughs> this bit it, right yeah, here. There's it, no one around ever.
1: And it's visualized by these women who uh we never see them like engaged in any kind of sexual activity. They're just sort of mm-hmm. stripped to their lingerie and. Tied to what look like bed springs, yeah, like bed frames without the the mattress part. It's of it's, it. it's not like it. It in
0: theory and in principle, it's horrifying. But mm. but because of the way it's like presented, it feels like no one actually wanted to go there, which is probably for the best. Mm. But it's basically just saying like, oh, I don't know. Would you mind just standing there with your hands over your heads? And just like yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll like, make this quick, we don't don't even need the actor or anything like that. Mm. Just stand there. People will get the gist of it, and then we'll do the close-ups. And, and and there
1: are all kinds of weird, bizarre directorial decisions, like uh, near the end where the that ring is finally broken up. Big surprise. Mm. Uh, all of the women run out, and they immediately run over to, a, like, a flaming drum in the middle of this island and just warm themselves. It's the middle of the day. Yeah. It's not cold out. It was drafty in there. I, I guess, but, you know, they're they're being evacuated actively from bad guys that are, like, wielding weapons, and they stop to warm their hands. It's this weird visual choice. It was cold. <laughs> I don't uh, know how I don't know how else to explain it was cold the, to you, Whitney. Uh, it wasn't just Don the Dragon Wilson who was overacting. John Liu is also clearly visibly overacting. Yeah, he's
0: hamming it up quite yeah. a bit. Um,
1: Yelling no and why he, Well, like in the yeah. middle of uh, kung fu poses. Yeah, there's weird uh, aesthetic things that don't make any sense. Mm. Uh, when uh, his wife dies, he's you know of course completely despondent mm. and mourns by attending. Her birthday. Well, it
0: was her birthday, but... and then he like goes up to the roof where he was gonna have a birthday party for her. But it looks like it's, a five year old's birthday. Yeah, it's,
1: it's like this little tiny card table like with a five year old's yeah, a little and... paper uh, a yeah. cloth over it, and a little cake. Like this was supposed to be. Her her special birthday. It, it feels it
0: feels like the PA was sent to Party City with fifteen bucks.
1: Yeah, They're like it, oh, we forgot it's, to
0: it's, we forgot to like put something up here. Get go to Party City, get whatever you can get for fifteen bucks, and we'll throw it out.
1: Now yeah, the the movie is cheap and incompetent and nonsensical. Where it excels is the the fight choreography. The fights are actually pretty cool, and
0: there's a couple of bits in there where I'm actually watching this, and I'm like. Wow, they they had some ambition here There's the the aforementioned bit where he's like Zooming down the streets on roller skates (laughs) In the middle of the day And it's clear they didn't have a permit Like no no one knows what's going on They're
1: rolling past people who don't know what's going on They don't know they're being
0: filmed That bit's a real hoot Uh, There's a bit towards the end where they have a helicopter That's not cheap (laughs) It's a real helicopter It's not like they CGI'd some shit Like they got a helicopter And at some point John Liu or someone else in a ninja costume Is hanging from that thing by a rope yeah. And that's dangerous as hell under the best conditions. Yeah, and actually, the, given they, how low budget this movie is, I
1: don't think these were the best conditions. No, so you're, they, they, you're they really kind of nervous there for a minute. Th- there was no concern for safety when you're yeah. doing something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the national actually came out pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, The visual, it looks like they like never got the shot of the, of the helicopter exploding. So they had to like add that in like CGI in post and that looks a little incongruous. But yeah, what are you going to yeah. do? Hey, you know what? same problem happened with the other side of the wind they never got like that oh, yeah. last that last explosion
1: oh so they had to use the yeah, so they had CD to edit around what?
0: it and sort of like yeah best yeah.
1: you do the best you can,
0: he the best he can mm. sometimes you work with what yeah, you got
1: but, uh, and and the the whole thing is completely bizarre with the plutonium killer like he's not just some mob boss no. he's like a, a fucking super villain he's a trauma
0: villain is yeah, what he is yeah. and it's not but it's not a trauma film it's not nearly that bonkers it's just ha- mm, just, it's just it's, that one element is, it's just every once in a while, there's like one element that's super wacky or one image that's super weird, but it's never it's like a, the level of consistency you're hoping for with a true midnight madness kind of,
1: yeah, or it just it you keeps know? on compounding and every, every yeah. scene has something really wacky in it. Yeah, It's not uh, that bizarre, but yeah, it, it, it is that's, that's hard to get to Hawaii where yeah. every scene kind of mounts from the previous one. Exactly. Uh, there is a, I like the chauffeur character, the bad guy's chauffeur oh, yeah. uh, has, he's called rat tail in the credits and, yeah, when he gets ready to fight, he pulls the rat tail on the back of his head over, like, and holds it in his mouth. So it doesn't, like, whip around. Yeah, and... and he's and, got, like, a sword cane and shit, and that's kind of fun. And he clearly did, like, no, like, stage combat training, but he's pretending really well.
0: Yeah. And it stumbles also around
1: like... like he's trying to do drunken style, even though it has nothing to do with actual drunken yeah, kung fu. drunken yeah. Uh, and I admire... His uh, how hard he sold his fake not knowing fight choreography. Fight choreography. Yeah. Um.
0: New York Ninja is they've they've released this like giant Blu-ray set which I Mm -hmm. got and
1: and it's nice. It's a lot of special features on it. It's really cool and they cleaned it up real good. And they yeah. I watched some of those special features and they really delve into John Liu's career mm-hmm. like who he was and how uh like who he was as a child and how he grew up and mm-hmm. you know where he trained to become this movie fighter and the movies he was in in China. Yeah, Vinegar
0: Syndrome takes this shit real seriously yeah. you got to respect
1: and, that. Yeah. And yeah, they they're clearly going to like the true nerds, yeah, like the people who live in this world and lo- know all the deep cut information. If
0: you feel like you've seen every American Ninja movie, and I mean like the American Ninja series, if you've seen everything I've, Michael, I've seen Dut- of have Michael, Michael Dudikoff, if you've seen everything movies, Michael Dudikoff has right? ever done, if you've seen everything Don the Dragon Wilson has ever done, if you've seen No yeah. Retreat, No Surrender more than twice, <laughs> if you if you own a copy of Jim Kata. That's a lot of people. You should, you should see New York Ninja at least once. Yeah, like it's, it's a it's, very entertaining, you know, throwback. Oh, I can't believe I never saw this in the, in the eighties mm. kind of action movie. It's totally worth seeing at least once. There's only like a handful. I think of people like a small percentage. They're going to feel the need to own this and revisit it multiple times, but you're mm-hmm. out there. And I yeah. think it's definitely worth checking out and seeing for yourself.
1: It, it's, it's, certainly, I'm glad it uh, happened. it's certainly amusing, but in true B movie style, there are a lot of portions where there's just nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you want yeah, it's true. Yeah, a lot of those old corny B movies are kind of dismissed because they're boring. Yeah, I think there's a lot of sequences in those old like science fiction monster movies where there's just guys in white time. coats standing around in they, a lab, and the movie ends up being only like sixty three minutes anyway. You know, a
0: lot of those old B movies or grindhouse movies, they only had enough money to do like four cool things
1: yeah and yeah. so everything and the, in between the, took up like 10 minutes yeah, of the and, film. Those, and
0: those four cool things they're in all the trailers they're in the posters and everything and when you get to them it's totally worth it the question is when they have to just fill time in the middle is it still interesting and the great grindhouse movies are the ones that are still interesting in the middle this is one of the reasons why even though i you know it's Got problems And I know you're not allowed To talk about it If you look at the movie Grindhouse Like Robert Rodriguez Made the movie Grindhouse filmmakers Wanted to make (laughs) Tarantino made an actual Grindhouse movie As in There's two cool car bits And a lot of talking (laughs)
1: Like
0: a lot Of talking at a diner Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talking, but when we get to the car bits, hopefully it's worth it. Like that's the vibe, and that's kind of New York Ninja as well. When it gets to the cool stuff, it's kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. But there's bits in the middle where if you nod off, you're not going to miss anything yeah. for five minutes.
1: I, I feel like there was um, a, a way to rescue this film while while keeping sort of its a little bit more of its B movie spirit alive. Okay, and you know, not hiring B movie luminaries like recognizable. Uh, cult actors to play some of these parts. Mm-hmm. Just you know, bear mind. Bear actors. mind,
0: they're not that recognizable. I don't know if well, most like, people I, could recognize Linnea the, Quigley's voice out of out of the ether. Uh, well, they, it's a very do. particular group that would recognize I, Don I suppose, the Dragon Wilson's voice. I do suppose so.
1: But in, in a crowd, in th- just by hiring Linnea Quigley, just by hiring Don the Dragon Wilson, right. they're they're clearly going for uh, a certain kind of audience. Yeah, and uh, I think that audience might have appreciated authenticity more than this sort of manufactured cult. I, I think it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, it's I don't, it's think, fine, it's, I, I don't that's, think it's fine, but I don't think it's something I noticed general. about the movie. I I so I, 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 that, I, I, disa- been,
0: I disagree that it's distracting.
1: Well, when when it comes to uh, cult movies, have to happen organically, don't agree. they? Yeah. Uh, and when you try to manufacture it, it feels especially inauthentic. Generally that, speaking, that's yes. why uh, that's why something like Troll Two was such a phenomenon. I think mm. people just kind of discovered it after a while and started yeah. passing it around before they started making documentary films about it it was yeah. already already had a little bit of cloud. same with samurai cop mm. uh that was the deal with the room it kind of grew and then yeah. it outgrew itself when it, and when the, it, the room is completely overexposed when it now.
0: enters pre is the next big thing there's a part mm. of you that wants to be like oh yeah what
1: well, you got yeah
0: but that. that's how it was when i saw birdemic i was like oh, oh you, you go. gotta see birdemic and i'm like okay i saw birdemic and i'm like you hyped this up a smidge I mean, it's yeah, bad, I, I, I but I don't know if
1: it's entertaining bad. I think it's mostly just bad, bad. I, I was lucky enough to see the Birdemic before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it before it was cool, man. Before um, the hype. Well, uh, like when it was still just sort of like finding its audience in yeah. video stores. I uh, I owe a lot of sort of my B-movie experience and those, those HFS movies to Cinephile Video. Yeah. A, a lot of those movies were in Cinephile Video's HFS section of... Like they were the ones who kind of recognized it before they kind of started to yeah. to get a toehold. So, you know, good on them for being prescient in a lot of these. Understood. Uh, we should move on. What do you want to talk about next? Mm, uh, Let's talk about a hero. Okay. So let's basically just the opposite.
0: <laughs> uh a hero is a new film from filmmaker Asgar Farhadi. It's
1: about a ninja.
0: It's about a ninja. Now no, Asgar a... Farhadi it's... is an Iranian filmmaker. He's won two Academy Awards so far, uh, for his movie A Separation, which is one of the best movies of the century so far, if you ask me. Mm. Uh he he was uh he won for The Salesman. The sale, yeah. Salesman. Uh which is uh which is a very, very good film about uh uh, a, a separation is a story of a, of a, someone who hires a woman to look after his uh, ailing father, and then he gets injured, and he kicks her out, and then she gets injured, and then it's a matter of who is more responsible for how badly everything went, and it mm-hmm. just starts spiraling, and it's just you you know everyone's morally in the wrong, but it's hard to tell who's actually at fault, yeah. and it's kind of a masterful look at that kind of morality. Uh, the Salesman is a story of a couple of actors, and uh, one of them is assaulted, and their boyfriend or husband, I forget which, just is, struggles with how to respond to that, more yeah. so even than the victim. Uh, he did a great film. I think I, I think maybe my favorite film of his is a film called The Past, uh, which is about oh, a man yeah, who, yeah. Uh, who uh, goes to France to visit uh, his ex-wife and her new family, and he discovers that her family is in there's something wrong and he can't put his finger on it and it turns into a really great detective story as he's trying to figure out what everyone is keeping from everyone else and basically try to solve their problems
1: but in a way that is
0: really truly beautiful and i think the movie is deeply underrated
1: what i what i think asghar farhadi is interested in exploring as a filmmaker mm-hmm. is the idea of uh the moral bounds we don't realize we're surrounding ourselves with, yeah, and the judgment that comes with that, uh, about how um, you know stigma. I, I've seen um, the salesman, and I like yeah. the salesman. A lot. Salesman's great, and it, you know, sort of that stigma a- around how we respond to violence, yeah. Uh, and this this one is about, uh, I think, far more penetratingly mm-hmm. about the moral we seem to hang on the notion of debt. Yeah. Of being in debt. And I I think they even say in this movie, like, money is not real, but debt is. Yeah. And how... Being in debt can reflect on you morally as a person.
0: Well, that's 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 a stigma I think a lot of us feel about it. Like, oh, there he's a bad person. He's, he's swimming in debt. Mm-hmm. If he was better, more mature, more intelligent, smarter, yeah, we, cared more about his family, he wouldn't be in this, this situation. This
1: idea that yeah. we can attach uh, morality to wealth yeah. and immorality to lack of wealth, mm-hmm. and this takes place in a world. Uh, straight out of Dickens, mm-hmm. where uh, the main character has been released from debtor's prison. Yeah, he's owned so much money that he's gone to jail.
0: Yeah, he 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 took out a loan. Uh, a guy guaranteed the loan. He his business went bad because shit happens. It's capitalism, or uh, mm. and um, and the guy says, "I want my money back." He's like, "Well, I don't have it. It's a lot. Mm. And the guy's like, "Well, that really screws me over." Which it does. Mm. He, he is screwed over, and he says, "Okay, I'm going to make. I'm going to have you sent to prison." Uh, at the beginning of the film, our hero, so to speak, uh, the, the, the protagonist, the protagonist is let out of prison. He's got like a weekend pass mm. to to deal with family issues, and the issue is he's leaving his wife. He's got a new girlfriend,
1: mm.
0: and yeah, he and
1: his wife were separated. They're separated a while,
0: ago. a while ago. He's he's got a new lover, and she found a purse at like a bus stop. That had gold coins in it And it might be enough to get him out of this mess yeah. So they're going to go have them praise, see mm-hmm. what they can do. And then over the course of the weekend he realizes it's not enough to help out. And on top of it all, he starts feeling really guilty about everything. Like, so rather take, than taking the coins. So rather yeah. than taking the coins and just putting a dent in the debt, he says, Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to where it was where it was, where we found it, I'm gonna put up some flyers, and if anyone can, you know, describe the purse and say how many coins there were and all that kind of stuff and prove that it's theirs, we'll give it back to them. Uh, And this this happens and he feels pretty good about himself However, he ends up taking the phone call in prison And one of the wardens overhears the conversation And he says, is that what you did? You're in in debtor's prison and you gave up free money to Mm -hmm. do the right thing? And he was like, yeah And so they end up making this into a public relations story About how great Mm -hmm. this prisoner is To sort of gloss over the fact that a guy killed himself at the
1: prison last week There, there's that, uh, and it all very quickly turns into uh, sort of like a local interest news story with a lot of the uh, heart-tugging, heartstring-tugging sort of things. Yeah, people Uh, start raising money to try to get him out of this prison, but he's also not entirely telling the truth about what he did. Because he was trying to get out of debt And so he is making decisions Not always the best ones Oh yeah, sometimes very bad decisions But
0: you can always see how he got there Not
1: always telling the truth But always in a way that seems like a logical course of action at the time,
0: and is the most moral decision he can reasonably make at the no, time. So even though other people that can we, look from uh, the
1: outside and say you did the wrong thing. Now that we, you know, we have this sort of thing about how you're this great moral guy. How about we get your son to speak? And his son, as it turns out, is uh, suffers from a stammer. He has a speech impediment. Yeah, which uh, kind of adds to this, uh, like. Uh, every this, time this exploitation element yeah, about every, the news every time, stories
0: every time this kid is interviewed mm. or goes up to speak and you can hear him stammer it just makes his family look more needy mm. at least that's the perception and people start realizing that either this kid that, that he's either exploiting this kid intentionally mm. or unintentionally and then we start meeting the the person he's in debt to who, because we're on this guy's side for most of the movie, we're literally just watching it from his perspective, this guy comes across like a total asshole. But the more he, he talks... He, he seems like the villain at
1: the start. He, yeah. But the more he talks, the more you realize he's not wrong. He's pointing out a lot of like actual flaws that the main character has. Yeah, uh, and they're talking errors about... Errors like, in his story, yeah. and why would he lie about that yeah, sort Yeah, it's of like, thing. hey,
0: listen, we put together one-fifth of what he owes you. Surely that's okay, right? It's like, no, no that's one-fifth. Yeah. And it's not like... It's not like I'm swimming in cash here. I own, like, a copy store. Like, I don't, like... He actually needs this is, that money. This yeah. uh, this this actually, like, I, do, I don't have money for my daughter's dowry because of this. You've ruined her life. I think I'm entitled to what I'm owed. Not just, oh, he did the right thing and, after he screwed me over to someone else. Yeah, and then, and, and then and it things, just starts getting get, worse get, and th- worse. Things just yeah. start
1: mounting and mounting, and you know, the yeah. tensions rise, and, uh, you know, there's more and more questions as to where this money is and what he's going to do and you know he's yeah. going to have to go back to prison uh having paid any of his debt whatsoever yeah. He's got to have
0: to track down the woman who like he he, didn't get information from the woman who like said the coins were hers and I was going to find her. He convinces
1: some family members to sort of tell a certain version of a story. So it looks like they're all lying now when he's caught. Uh, Watching this
0: movie is like watching like a detective story set in a Kafka novel.
1: Like every (laughs) every single
0: aspect of the bureaucracy makes sense on its face but doesn't necessarily make moral sense and everyone in it is doing things for their own reasons but they're not and most of them are reasonable reasons or at least reasons you can understand yeah and just nothing links up fairly everyone's screwed all the time it's like like life just sucks
1: this is an unfair world you you compare it to kafka i already compared it to dickens because dickens was very interested in uh how society seemed to be constructed very solidly around wealth inequality yeah. and how the the poor needed to remain poor and how difficult, how, how much we sacrificed ourselves just to get some money. Yeah. Um, uh, have you, uh, if you've ever read Dombian and son, that's very I, much about that. that um, one, yeah. Uh, but, uh, this idea that we have, th- th- and this is a, an important idea to explore yeah. in, in, in art. Uh, just in general, this is a, a, a film I was reminded of was, um, uh, L'Argent, If you ever saw the Robert Bresson movie from the eighties. I actually never seen that. Okay. Uh, where, um, somebody tries to pass off a counterfeit bill and just having this counterfeit bill kind of ruins your life. essentially. Yeah. And like uh, by the end of the but practice. if you're
0: the owner of a counterfeit mm-hmm. bill, uh, that's just kind of on you. There's very little you can do about it. Yeah. Other but than the, uh, you, you, you can, you can like try to get away with like passing it off, but all you've really yeah. done is give away nothing. And, well, it, you've, and, and you've just, added nothing to anything, and you're screwing over whoever else has this bill now.
1: But the I- idea of like having this counterfeit bill, and just over the course of the film, just by touching it, it's like you've cursed yourself. Money yeah. is a curse in that movie. Yeah. It's, it's really really super anti capitalist movie. It's an excellent film, by the way. Watch Largent. Uh, but this one has that same idea that we have constructed so much of what we think of a, a, of a person as moral to their wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're starting to look at a lot of the moral failings of that that uh, thinking. Th- there's this idea, and this is something that the charity brings up over and over again, that there's something noble about poverty mm-hmm. that you can be impoverished. You, you're impoverished, but and you found money, but you gave it back to the rightful owner. Mm-hmm. You didn't keep it. You didn't do... That
0: makes you not just like someone... Who, and the, even the the, the the guy who mm-hmm. like, he owes money to even just says, so he found something that wasn't his and he gave it back, that you doesn't should, make him a hero. Should, yeah, I was that's like the standard opera. That's standard decent person I've, procedure. I've, I've, just, because he's in, just because he's in debt doesn't mean he's a hero for not stealing. Yeah, Where's yeah. my reward for not stealing?
1: It's <laughs> like uh, the Chris Ro- Rock bit. I don't hit my kids. What do you want? A cookie? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's the bare a bare minimum. Not supposed of you. to hit your kids. Yeah, exactly. So
0: it's it's a weird situation, and I love. I love just seeing the the net tighten around everyone in this movie. It's yeah. so
1: de- it just it because raises your goosebumps it's, it's on the a, back of your neck, and it's it's that kind of frustrating bureaucracy that we can all relate to. Yeah.
0: It's o- also, owing
1: a bill or, or you know jury duty, the DMV, all yeah. of those really boring scenes in uninteresting locales uh, yeah. are are the central drama of a lot of people's lives. And there's something also really
0: bitterly tragic about how the 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 shitty parts of this movie, for the most part, uh, stem from him trying to do the right thing. Every time he tries mm. to do the right thing, it ends up making things worse in some regard. If he had just taken that money, put a dent in his debt, I mean, that woman never would have gotten her, her coins back. On the other hand, we never see her again. Don't for what all we know, doing with for those all coins, we know, yeah. those weren't even hers. We don't. We don't have a good. System. we don't we don't really have a confident way of knowing that that was like the right thing to do. Mm. all we know is it would have helped him a little and none of this other shit where he's in the public eye and people are examining him and questioning him, and you know things seem to go well, but then he goes to another guy and now he has to prove everything even twice fold uh-huh. now it just ends up making every single thing worse. It's a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of world and that's a world that I hopefully we don't recognize constantly because that would just make you pull your hair out. Hmm. But we've all had times in our life that felt like that, where just nothing works. The system doesn't work. Nothing is designed right. And if you're trying to do the right thing is important to you, it should be, but it's not actually getting anyone anywhere. And that's an absolutely brain-scrambling frustration. No, is just it, captured really
1: beautifully here. That Yeah, that, that hamster wheel... Existence, yeah. <laughs> just sort of co- constantly running as fast as you can and not getting anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's salient. It's important. Mm. It has in- interesting views of money. I really liked it. Um, yeah, have you had you not seen many other Asgard for for uh, The movies? only one I've ever, the only other one I've seen is the salesman.
0: Oh, okay, but, yeah. and I, I actually think that's of the. Th- Four I've seen I think that's my Least favorite Okay So I really hope You see yeah, A Separation I know of the a separation.
1: I, I started to watch A Separation But I can't comment on it Because yeah, I didn't get Very far it. Yeah, yeah it happens
0: um, Well I want to talk About another film About a guy who made An iffy moral choice And how mm. it affected him uh, In the long term Except this one stars Kevin James and Rob Schneider
1: so uh, well known, they they were for their dramatic work. They yeah, you know, respectable Shakespeare productions together. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, who could forget? They're waiting for.
1: You know, they would make a great. They would they would do good as Vladimir and Estragon. Actually,
0: I would pay to see them do yeah. waiting for a good out. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> this is a new film on Netflix called Home Team, uh, and it stars Kevin James. And this is a, this is a, based on a true story that I didn't know about. I don't know how closely I assume not very because there's like a scene in this movie where a pee wee football team wins a game by projectile vomiting over everybody. So, I don't I doubt that really happened. But anyway, um <laughs> sometimes art imitates life. <laughs> maybe. Uh Kevin James plays uh the head coach for the New Orleans Saints. And apparently he was involved in some sort of scandal. The scandal involved uh, in order to win matches, he uh, incentivized to his team, mm. uh, he would put bounties out on other players. Oh, that linebacker is a problem for us. Uh, you, you get him. You tackle him so hard, he's out of the game. You get a bonus. That kind of thing. Okay. Sleazy. Mm. I don't. I don't know the details. Of the, it's, it's it's a scandal. He's uh, barred from coaching for a whole year, so it must be a big fucking deal. Um, the movie never actually engages with how guilty he is of it. Which I think is bullshit. <laughs> like at least say it. Come up with a side. You you decided that he didn't do it. You decided that he did. I don't buy your movie for a second. Just pick. Because I honestly don't know if I hate this guy or not. Hmm. Um, he decides to spend the off season visiting his estranged family in I think Texas. Um, and uh, turns out his son's on a peewee football team and they stink. <laughs> So he uh, gradually, because he's got more and more time on his hands, starts becoming the the uh, head coach of this Pee Wee football team and applying like more NFL type type strategies to Pee Wee football.
1: I've seen this this type of movie a couple times. It's
0: the mighty fucking ducks. It's the bad news bears. bears. You've seen this a million fucking times, Uh, except this one doesn't know what the fuck it is. I think because it's technically a biopic, they don't want to go too far into making it this, like, it's a Happy Madison production. They're known for broad farce. Uh, they don't want to go too broad. Hmm. So everything stays really, really muted. But they also know that they're Happy Madison. Everything needs to be light. So no drama is ever really sold too hard. Yeah. And anytime there's any kind of comic relief, it's sold so hard that it feels like it's in the wrong movie. There's a character in this movie... Hold on, I want to make sure I get the, the name right here. Uh, Mitch Bizone is a, is another coach for the Pee-wee team. Uh-huh. Uh, he's made up to look so much like Kevin James. I thought it was Kevin James in split screen.
1: Oh, and like the, just doing some sort of gag? Yeah, some weird the, okay. gag
0: where Kevin James gets to play two different characters. And this guy... He's an alcoholic, he's overweight, he's bad with women, he always says the wrong thing. Every time we cut to them, he's like jumping on a table and breaking it. And I don't know why he's in the movie. He has nothing to do with the movie. He's just sort of fucking there. Uh, Rob Schneider plays the guy that uh, uh, Kevin James' wife has remarried. He's a new age dude. He's sitting in a lotus position talking about meditating. Uh at, at one point he says the kids Hey we're going to go get vegan ice cream And the kids are like yeah I guess that sounds fine and mm-hmm. It's like it's not really even a joke It's just okay But at no that's, point that's it's really, fine really Common, and... But the, the joke Clearly Is that he's weird mm-hmm. But there's no actual joke There They just keep cutting to him as mm-hmm. though He brought a really big snuggie And I'm like is that a joke you seem to think it is
1: Well keep in mind Um a running theme through, no matter who's directing or who's writing, a yeah. common theme throughout a lot of Happy Madison productions mm-hmm. is cruelty. Yeah, uh, bullying those who are different is a common joke throughout. I, and a lot I will of say Happy this: that's not
0: quite so much a, uh, the home yeah. team issue. It's not okay. nearly as bad as it is in some of their other stuff.
1: Just a, yeah. that that seems to be something that happens but, a lot. And you know, we're going to present this really weird person, and they're not. Weird in a funny way. Well, they have, they're they're weird so that other characters in the movie can mock them.
0: They have old fashioned attitudes about masculinity. Yeah, uh, in a way that yes. is at, at best here uh, unexplored. But like this idea that he his wife remarried this kind of effeminate, uh, uh, new age, completely unmasculine guy who doesn't get football mm. is treated like a joke. But it's not like. They're gonna get divorced, unless she's gonna go back with Kevin James. It's just he's the funny guy that she married, but you never get you never get the sense so weird you never get the sense that they're happy together. Hmm. Like, is is this is this good for you? Is this a step up? For you, is this what you really... I don't get the sense that, like, whenever he's doing something weird, she sort of rolls his eyes, oh, there he goes again. I'm like, okay, fine, but what do you see in him? (laughs) If if you're expecting us to take this seriously enough that we care, you have to actually sell us on
1: on these relationships. What's the point Uh, here? I feel like you can't do this anymore, especially not with Kevin James specifically, because this was already satirized in a movie called Neighbors. Mm. Uh, with, um, it had Zach Efron in it and uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen yeah, Rose and, and Burn. Rose Byrne. Yeah. And Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne were a married couple. Yeah. And uh, Seth Rogen wanted to sort of get into shenanigans with the young frat guys who lived next door, who were led by Zach Efron. Yeah. And, um, he kept on saying, yeah, let, let's get into shenanigans. I want to get into shenanigans. Cause you know, I'm, I'm sort of the, I'm the Kevin James of the relationship. And Rose Byrne says, why can't I be the Kevin James of the relationship? This is, you know, <laughs> you, you, can't, can't I be the doofus and you be sort of like the doting one who's sort of like, clicks his tongue and looks aside while well, I be wacky like how come yeah. I don't get to do that yeah so it's it's a very funny moment because they're just yeah. sending up this whole notion in Happy Madison it's,
0: it's so weird that That's, Kevin James is like at wanting
1: to be taken seriously for this because I've seen here comes
0: the boom I've seen you do the funny sports movie mm-hmm it's weird to flip that script.
1: And isn't that one like kind of legit? Like he actually.
0: It's not bad actually. I've he actually, becomes like a
1: good fighter Yeah, he,
0: he 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 has become amazing at it. Maybe he's actually able to hold his own in a fight. Like mm. that's the whole thing is he works for public school and in order to pay for public school stuff, he decides to become an MMA fighter. Mm. And it kind of works. Like that's not the terrible movie. As, as Kevin James movies goes. that's probably one of the better ones. Um, I liked Paul Blart 1. Paul mm-hmm. Blart 1 was pretty good. Paul Blart 2 is an abomination Paul <laughs> Blart 1 however Not bad Anyway this, My point is this I'm not anti-Kevin James At all uh, I'm anti this movie But not because it's like Horrible mm. Or repugnant It just doesn't work Like nothing mm. about it functions Nothing None of the big emotional beats Really hit None yeah. of the comedy Really works uh, There's like this one weird bit Where like he's He's gotta stay at a hotel in town Okay He's not gonna sit on Sleep on his wife's couch He's gonna stay in a hotel he goes to a hotel and the guy is like, okay, so uh, we got a presidential suite and that's kind of it. He's like, okay, I'm rich. I'll pay for that. He's like, cool. All right, it's got a jacuzzi. But the jacuzzi makes noise at night. And he calls down there and he's like, yeah, the jacuzzi's making noise at night. And the guy's like, yeah, it does that. He's like, oh. That's it. That's the joke. The jacuzzi is constantly this making noise at night. It's not... A lot of noise. It's not, it, not like, it like shocking. A, it's not grotesque. It's it's is, green, but is, I never they never really talk
1: about that. Is Maybe it like, that's like, a like a running weird... gag where it like slowly starts driving him insane you the course of many scenes. Or... They, it happens
0: like three times, but we never actually there's no resolution to it. Mm-hmm. It never makes things harder or funnier. I guess it's supposed to make him sympathetic that this
1: kind of a sad sad. Well, character. this that
0: this disgraced rich guy who's still rich and he's gonna get his job back in a year. Uh, who did something that is at best unethical, probably quite immoral. We never really engage with how guilty he is, but the implication is that he's responsible for it. Mm. Um, If the best you got to make him sympathetic at the beginning is that the jacuzzi in his presidential suite is a little louder than he'd like at night and the guy at the lobby can't like turn it off... Mm. And no one ever suggests, why don't you get some earplugs? They cost nothing. It can be found at any pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for him because everything about this movie is weirdly contrived. Um, the only person who actually gets off, like, without a hitch is Taylor Lautner. Okay. Uh, Taylor Lautner plays, like, the kid's coach who was there, like, before... Kevin James rolls along and he's a really nice guy. And he's a, he's a nice coach. He's good with the kids. He just can't win a game to save his life because mm. the kids just, he doesn't have a good crop of kids, you know, working with what you got. Uh, and, um, he's genuinely seems to care about the kids and their welfare. Whereas Kevin James is more concerned about winning and he's fine. Like he's, he's one of those guys, like everyone else in twilight got, got a career out of it. Like Anna Kendrick has a career, Kristen Stewart has a career, Robert Pattinson is Batman now. Like Everyone's doing <laughs> fucking great except for Taylor Lautner. And I'm going to say it right now, Taylor Lautner deserves a little better than this. Like, <laughs> he's not amazing, but he deserves better than this. Can we get him better than
1: this at least? He he didn't return as Sharkboy, did he?
0: When they did the, the I don't Shirk think Boy he sequel? did.
1: Yeah, I think they got a different you, actor. You'd
0: think you, think you could get him. apparently he's done some tv he was on scream queens but like yeah he's like the last like six seven years he does he hasn't had a lot on his plate he was on a show called cuckoo Cuckoo. which i guess is a sitcom i've never seen it Uh no one's no one's ever said hey bibbs you want to see cuckoo um so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the best thing ever and I'm just out of the loop. But yeah, I just feel like Taylor Launders is a little better. So that's my one takeaway. Taylor Launders
1: is a little bit better than this. Uh, moving on, what do you want to talk about? I um, we talk about uh, The House. That's another film from last week. Ah, uh, uh, The
0: House always wins.
1: Uh, this is not to be confused with the 2017 film The House, which is uh, with... Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler mm-hmm. who I believe uh, opened like a casino in their home
0: nor should it be confused with the 1980s horror movie House or the 1970s but, horror movie House mm-hmm. uh,
1: this is not House House or the House this is the House uh, where this is uh, an anthology okay. animation uh, film done in stop motion mm. uh, it's a triptych of stories uh, that are all all by, all, different, f- all by different directors or uh, yes okay just saying. Yeah, each, each segment is by a different director okay or uh, in, in the case of the first one, a pair of directors. Okay, uh, they're all done in stop motion, and they all center around uh, a domicile of some kind. Okay, uh, not the same one, just different houses. Just, just different houses. Got it. Uh, the first one is a, a bizarre type of a horror story, mm-hmm. where uh, and a family who's living in a like sort of a countryside cottage learns that some mysterious millionaire has bought up all the land around them, and wants to buy their house as well. And in exchange, this mad architect will build a mansion for them, but they have to live in it. Okay. Uh, the mom and the dad are saying, great, this is wonderful. The young daughter, who is maybe uh, like seven or eight, she's very young, and she has a, an infant, uh, mm. like a toddler sister. Yeah are a little bit suspicious because they don't want to move out of their house, but they, the parents get incredibly enamored of this new house. It has mm. a big fireplace. It has a sewing machine. It has big windows, but no curtains. Ah. And the archit- the mad architect is redesigning it as they're living in it. So one morning the stairs are gone and they can't get downstairs. <laughs> so they have to go like down the hallway and into this other That's bedroom, like vacant bedroom and go down a ladder or through a hole in the floor to get downstairs. Uh, the next day it's a different deal. The next day they can't get downstairs. Uh, Mom and dad seem kind of okay with this. Mm. And indeed when the architect asks them to dress like the house, that is like wear paddings that make them look like furniture, these really bizarre outfits, they kind okay. of go along with it. And meanwhile, there's something kind of insidious going on. Like when they look out the, the window, they see that their old house is being dismantled, uh. and the sister is compl- the daughter is completely uh, distraught by watching her house getting dismantled, and the father's like, "Yeah, they probably just needed something." And uh, he's obsessed with the fireplace, the father, and so uh, we got this this butler character comes in and says, "Well, I know something that you could burn. Here's your favorite chair that you used to sit in. You can burn that." What are they trying to do to this family? They're trying mm-hmm. to like rob them of their dignity and their identity, like kind of sacrifice them to the house mm-hmm. in this bizarre way. Sounds creepy. It's really, really creepy, and because it's a, a short film. It doesn't have an explanation or even come to a satisfying conclusion. Oh, it's that's just extra creepy. Mounting misery, and then it just kind of leaves you in this miserable spot. And I, Perfect. Lo- I love that. I love that kind of ending because yeah. you couldn't have that kind of ending in a feature. That wouldn't be satisfying for a feature. Toads. And, and yeah, th- but this notion of sort of wandering around a house and having it change around you as you're like sort of going through the house as like nightmares I've had. And I've seen a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. like that I've uh, had so many. I've had so
0: many houses where like dream fans nightmares where I'm like yeah. in my closet and there's like a tiny crawl space that leads to a secret attic I never yeah, knew about yeah, yeah. and yeah it always freaks me out um, yeah
1: that movie Relic had a scene like that mm. where uh, the, the Bella Heathcote character wanders into a hallway uh, that is like completely sealed off and she didn't know it was there and it keeps getting yeah. like smaller and the more she goes and she turns around and it's more cluttered behind her it's ah. like that, that kind of stuff yeah that's a quality of that first short um, chapter two is fast forward to the modern day and it's about a real estate agent who is fixing up a house and wants to sell it. It's completely modern. Mm. Uh, oh, and they're all anthropomorphic mice now. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, in the first one, they're all human characters, and they're made with, um, f- like, felt. They're, like, really hmm. fuzzy, so you can actually see, Ooh, like, the fuzz crinkle in the animation. I like that kind of handmade look when you can see the thumbprints. Yeah. Uh, in, this, in the second one, they're all anthropomorphic mice, and uh, the the realtor mouse character... Uh, is dealing with a lot of small problems. Like, there's there's an infestation. There's, like, bugs. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, t- trying to fix up this this flat so so uh, so the, the mountain, so he can rent it out. And, yeah. of course, everything goes wrong at the showing. Uh, they deliver the wrong groceries. Everything's just sort of, the, you know, some bugs crawl out at the wrong, wrong moment. Uh, they can't show off the rotisserie oven because the chicken never came. Uh, and then uh, all of the wired-in sound is wired into his phone, and then he drops his phone, and everything goes haywire. Yeah. But two people stay. A rat and a weasel. Okay. And they behave in a very strange fashion. Say, so yes, we'd like to... We'd like to buy this house. But we'd like to stay the night first. Okay. And, and you know, at the end of his robe, he says, well, fine. You can stay in the house. Good. We're going to stay longer. We've invited a family. And slowly, more and more people start moving into the space... They begin, like, trashing it. You know, they're just sort of sleeping on the floor and, like, knocking over furniture and, like, leaving handprints on the walls. And, of course, the bugs start crawling out. And pretty soon, it's just completely destitute. And that one also leaves us in this, like, unsatisfying, creepy location. So, you have these sort of two horror movies about houses. Next up, a fart competition. Uh, not quite. The, the third one's about kitties. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Anthro- that like anthropomorph- anthropomorphic cats. I've got a cat in my foot right now. He's and it's hanging a, out. and oh, uh, okay. and this is uh, similar to the second one in that it's about um, the owner of this sort of seaside cottage that has a lot of extra bedrooms, and she wants to rent it out to, to be, cats to other cat people.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, she has two clients who are living there. One's a deadbeat who only pays her in fish, and the other is this sort of like new age crystal worshiper who uh, pays her in crystals. Okay. And she's like, well, and she even goes, I kind of want to move there just
0: so I can pay her in screeners.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here. W- would you like a, a sweatshirt for tick, tick boom?
0: Would you, would you like a, a, a link to a movie starring Alicia Silverstone fighting a shark? <laughs> it's only good until 10
1: o'clock. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm cooking dinner. Watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> Those expiring screeners, man. Ah, no, it was the worst. The the worst are when they give you a screener that's only available for the length of the film. It's like you start at seven thirty, or you don't see it at
0: all. Yeah, you're, or it'll just stop playing with five minutes to go.
1: Like, yeah. ah, <laughs> what, what's the point? Uh, but uh, she has a really sort of egalitarian conversation with the, the crystal worshiper. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, uh, thank you for paying me in crystals. I understand they're supposed to align my chakras or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I need to fix this place up, and I can't buy wallpaper paste with crystals. (laughs) And then uh, a new character comes in. He floats in off of the sea. It's right by the seaside. And he is named Cosmos. And he is also this sort of like new age hippie. And it's like, you want to stay in the house? No, I stay in my yurt. He sets up his yurt like in a second like, and we're going to, we're going to war and I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and I'll fix up the place. And she's like, great. You know what? If I can have just a handyman living around, mm-hmm. fix it all up. Do what you want. Yeah. The next morning he's ripped it apart uh. and he's added a big lever to the house and he doesn't say what it does. <laughs> okay. The fog is getting thicker. It's seeping in the wallpapers falling off and she is just getting completely frustrated. It's almost like a slow well, burn yeah. comedy. Uh, did you ever see that film? The money pit. Yeah. I did see yeah. the money pit. Yeah. It's so, sort of like it's that. It's about a uh, house
0: that doesn't work.
1: And it's sort of this this bizarre uh, sort of frustration comedy until it becomes about the afterlife. <laughs> so there's this twist near the end. Uh, All right. And, and we finally learn what that lever does. Uh, Sounds fun. Stop motion is a very labor-intensive form of animation. Yeah. It takes a long, long time to make because there's not, there aren't a lot of shortcuts. Yeah. You, just, you make the models, you pose them, you have to build these tiny little sets, and you just have to take picture by picture, and that doesn't, there's no way to speed up that process.
0: Not, not, not without yeah. like combining yeah. it with other
1: things. Yeah. I know or, uh, yeah. on, on, f- with Leica, they've actually revolutionized 3D printing to yeah. do a lot of that, to do, instead of sculpting everything by hand. Yeah. They're just 3D print a lot of those models. Mm-hmm. So they're able to make the models a lot faster, but they still have to photograph in the slow process. Yeah, they
0: still have to actually switch all the faces around and stuff like that, and that takes yeah, time, yeah.
1: There's a, a lot of fun uh, outtakes at the end of Leica movies where they... Um, they show the animation, but they leave in some frames with the animators in frames, yeah. so you see them like zipping about really fast. It's really cool. While yeah. while the animation just sort of moves at its normal pace. Yeah, the
0: box trolls is a really amazing. One of those because in the middle yeah. of a conversation, yeah, the it's characters are like, having it's voiced, super weird yeah, voices yeah. in
1: the actors. Uh, as such, it's not it's not utilized in feature films a lot. Uh, you you'll see it in short films and you know at the academy nominated shorts occasionally, but uh it's a really fantastically alive animation form that I'm very fond of. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I like it especially when you can see the thumbprints, the earlier Wallace and Gromit shorts where you can actually see the thumbprints on Wallace and Gromit before right. they started to sort of slick them out and use computers to to sort of streamline it a little bit. Uh and there's a kind of a a jerky quality to it that I think like, it's a little peculiar, but it makes it look a lot more alive. Um, yeah. we, we commented on stop-motion animation for a recent Star Trek episode. Mm. a Conspiracy, where there's a little stop-motion bug. Uh, and how it looks really corny, because mm. it doesn't look real. But, but at the also looks otherworldly. It, lo- yeah, it, uh, it, it looks...
0: It doesn't look like something that it exists, but it does look like something that takes up physical space. Mm. And as a result, if you're going for some sort of monster effect, uh, you can hardly do much better. Mm. because that's clearly real that's clearly tangible and physical it doesn't have that like annoying glossy sheen that even some of the best cgi still has some of these days mm. uh but yeah there's something just a little unnatural about how it moves and it scares the crap, yeah. crap out of you if you do it right yeah. yeah and
1: and i and i appreciate that unnaturalness uh yeah. when it comes to saw motion so um this is great. Look, okay. uh, it all—they all look a little bit different. The design on the mice is a little bit eerie. I liked the the felt people in the first short. Uh, yeah. The third one is a little bit more conventional. Like the mm-hmm. the cats have a little bit more traditional, like Disney eyes and the the, okay. the big heads and the skinny bodies kind of. Design. And just the three—is there like—is there like a wraparound device, or is it just? Three oh, it's just shorts? just three short Okay, cool. Just sort of centered around houses. Okay. Uh, and I and I like that. I like that they're just sort of thematically connected. There doesn't have to be a wraparound for yeah, very reasonable for a triptych kind of film. Uh, and I like that they're packaged together because they kind of comment on each other about how fears and anxiety and death can all be linked very intimately with the home, with the place where you live, and how yeah. that those spaces kind of uh, get inside you in a way that uh, you may not really fully realize. Mm-hmm. I dug it. It's on Netflix. Yeah, watch it. British film.
0: Well, I saw another animated film this week, and this is an interesting case because usually when I see a film in a series, I try to be familiar with the entire series. I figure that, uh, you know, the target demographic for it is people who've seen the rest of the films, Um, but sometimes you just can't. Mm. Sometimes uh, you don't have... Uh, the the time or the capacity to see every single film in, say, I don't know, the Ice Age series. Uh, Ice Age is a film, we have seen about three or four of them. The original Ice Age was basically a remake of that Western Three Godfathers, which was uh, later remade by... Uh, uh, Satoshi Khan. Satoshi Khan is the Great Tokyo Godfathers. And it's about three mismatched adults who f- find a baby... And go on an adventure to try to help the baby find, hopefully it's actual parents, but at least someone to take care of it. And along the way, these people who don't like each other form a makeshift family hmm. around the shared act of caring for another being. Uh, the original Ice Age is pretty good, honestly. It's, like, right. it, it, it's fine, it works. It's hmm. it's The animation style is a little bit more stark and stylized than a lot of CGI films of its era, so it stands out a little bit um it's got a slightly more serious dramatic tone because it actually cares about things and has stakes um it works it works fine i fell out a little bit over the years as they kept on having adventures and i would just sort of dip in like oh wait what's going on now the ice age is melting that was a quick ice age the same characters are still around but it lasts like five years
1: there How the hell does that happen? I Age the Meltdown. Yeah. I Age Age of Dinosaurs. Age of Dinosaurs.
0: I didn't see Age of Dinosaurs. Um, I didn't see Age I... of Dinosaurs. They had dinosaurs and I didn't see it. Uh, I... Yeah. There was Ice Age Continental Drift, which I did... There was uh, Ice Age Dawn of Dinosaurs.
1: Dawn of Dinosaurs. There was
0: Ice Age, Ice Age the Meltdown, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, Ice Age Continental Drift, which I saw and I couldn't tell you anything about if you would a gun to my head. <laughs> I remember that some of them end up on a glacier and they're floating away because the Ice Age is over, which seems like a bad choice for the series, but okay. And then there was Ice Age Collision Course, where I guess they all hit each other. Um, I think
1: that's about a meteor. Like, it's about the sure. ex- uh, we're up to number six, is the thing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you, nobody's paid attention.
0: I, kids, I guess, <laughs> are seeing these things; they're making money. But yeah. it, this is one of those uh, franchises that uh, Disney acquired when they acquired Fox. Yeah, uh, Blue, they they Blue, own Blue, Ice Blue, Age now.
1: The Blue Sky Animation Studio put out Ice Age. Ice and, Age uh, used
0: to be one of the few animated franchises that could actually compete with Disney at the box office, and now Disney just owns it. And they decided and they, that they, the latest one didn't even. The, Yes, they did. blue sky. Blue sky's gone. This yeah. is a vestigial uh, remnant of blue sky. I I, th- I heard somewhere this might have been like intended originally as a TV series, and they decided to make it into a movie. Uh, but regardless, they figured this one is not worth releasing in theaters. And admittedly, I get it. Um, <laughs> so who, he, who is Buck Wild? Buck Wild is the character who was apparently introduced in Ice Age: Dawn of the Dinosaurs. and I missed it. All right. Uh, Buck Wild is a a ferret or something.
1: He's some kind of.
0: Marsupial well,
1: or or, or a small rat creature. Well, the one of the appeals of the Ice Age movies is uh, they animated animals you don't typically see in movies. Yeah. That is That uh, is extinct mammals. Yeah. So it's uh, mammoth, saber toothed cat, uh, mm-hmm. two toed sloth, and um, uh,
0: and others as well. And Others as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's other kind, other of fun. kind
1: of like lar- large rhinoceros. So, so, Anticetus. some kind of
0: mongoose or something that's mm. that's buck wild and he's uh, he's got an eye patch and he lives he lives in the lost world he lives in the dinosaur right. world which apparently has always been like two doors down from the other characters and they just never visit anymore because it was kind of annoying um and uh there's a character Ellie who is the lady uh mastodon who is played in the original movies uh, by Queen Latifah The mm-hmm. movies starred folks like Queen Latifah And John Leguizamo And Ray Romano And, uh, Dennis, Leary. and Dennis Leary And none of them could be bothered to come back for this one that's nobody. It's all They're all sound alike Some of them sound Ray Romano has a voice that's relatively easy to copy He's got a very mm-hmm. distinctive kind of delivery So the Ray Romano Mastodon sounds more or less mm-hmm. right But uh, everyone else they're, they're trying, they're fine It's just they don't sound quite like the originals Um, And it turns out that Ellie the mastodon was raised as an opossum, with two opossum buddies, and the possum buddies apparently are idiots. They're 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 stupid characters who do stupid things and endanger things, but they're really really fun. So kids are supposed to like them. And uh, basically they've decided that they're old enough now that they can actually go out on their own and have their own adventures. So they decide to do that. And everyone's like, oh no, those guys, we better find them. So they start looking for them. But they decide to go to the Lost World. And when they're in the Lost World, they run into Buck Wild, who's cool and stuff and has like his own swinging bachelor pad where like he's the father of a pumpkin. And the pumpkin, like, <laughs> he's been living on his own long enough that he's decided that a <laughs> pumpkin's his daughter and like he's, he's concerned about it. And uh, they're going to live with Buckwell and everything's going to be great, except one of the dinosaurs, uh, which is like a Styracosaurus, like one of those, um, uh, it's like a Triceratops, but it's got like a bigger kind of like scoop at the back of the head. Okay. Um, One of those dinosaurs uh, has decided to be evil. Because on the other side of that big swooshy bit at the back of its uh, head is a giant exposed brain,
1: and oh, um, every
0: time we see it, it scares the shit out of me.
1: That's uh, it would be a Protoceratops.
0: I guess it's a Protoceratops.
1: They were no- Protoceratops were known for their large brains,
0: and they're visible outside the body
1: no they just had big heads yeah
0: they had They're visible like, a, like you could see as, like as, the, as
1: far as we you could see like together. The, you <laughs> could
0: see like the little wormy crags in the brain like on the outside and you can like punch him in the brain and it makes him like Ugh. like okay and I'm like all of this is freaking me out and I wish we were doing none of it
1: if, if they did a joke like they punch him in the brain it's like toast something
0: like maybe They it turns out that Buck Wild used to be part of a superhero team in the Lost World with right. a couple of <laughs> oh, other <and> animals <clears throat> only one of whom is still alive she's some kind of not skunk, like it looks like a skunk,
1: but it's not a skunk. She's a zorilla.
0: A zorilla. She's yeah. a, thank you. It is. She's a zorilla. Her name is Z. All, all the yeah. all, all the stuff you learned at the the natural history museum. I'm so glad Whitney paid attention. Uh, and there's a there's a, several instances in which she she makes a lot of stinky, and they're like, oh well, why don't you use more stinky to fight all these velociraptors that are attacking us? And she's like, I just unloaded my stink pouch. It takes a while, and we're um, we're all just sort of sitting there going really want to think about that I guess we're just going to dwell we're going to dwell on that that's what we're going to dwell on cool uh, it the, the, all it the, all ends this, in violence because of Buck course that's how was, it's how it's going to be resolved
1: was the head of a superhero team
0: it was the head of a superhero team in, in the in lost the, world I, in the ice age In the well underneath the ice age in right. the lost
1: world which is underground but has the mm. sun when, when you have penguins as spies well that's Madagascar. Madagascar series that's Madagascar. I can roll with that because they live in the modern world yeah and they have access to things like spy jets. Spies yes. are very techno-centric. Agreed. What does a superhero weasel do in the Ice Age? They protect the watering hole. Okay, from bad guys who would from, poison it. If 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 anyone wants to not be
0: nice at the watering hole, mm. they'll stop them. The Protoceratops wanted to take over the watering hole, Just and they're like, this is the same plot, by the way, as like the the John Favreau Jungle Book. Where it's like, <laughs> uh, Shere Khan is just like, I will take over this watering hole, and then I'm gonna put on a business suit and start an air travel business in the Caribbean.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? If they took that same photorealistic Jungle yeah. Book and made I, Kalespin, I, I, mean, I they, asked John Favreau okay how, how
0: if they could do it, and they, he he said we have all the assets. We we can get convinced, Murray. We can do it. And I'm like, oh my god, please do. That. <laughs> it never happened, but um, it could have happened. It never did. Um, this movie is, is, is so cheap. It mm-hmm. looks cheap. There's so many okay. shots of like people talking yeah. where they're like, kind of like frame out their mouths. So you don't have to see it. <laughs> like that's oh, kind of cheap. That's really
1: cheap. Yeah. yeah like, cheap, yeah, cheap trick.
0: It, it's, it's, there's a lot of cheapness to it. There's a lot of
1: pointlessness to it. The characters are designed to be like blocky looking.
0: Often. Like, yeah. They're really they've angular moved, kind of characters. They've moved a little bit away from that, All which right. like, I, I think is a mistake. Cause I gave, I Age a distinctive look. Mm. Um, And listen, I I know it's for kids. I get it. I realize that kids don't have the elevated standards Uh that a lot of adults have. And, hey, listen, we liked New York Ninja. We have only so much right to complain if something (laughs) sucks, right? Like, there's Mm. something to be said for it. However, um... This isn't like, and, and I've seen kids' movies that like have like ugly messages that I think they teach kids. Mm. Like Rio Two is a movie no one else talks about but me, but Rio Two is a shitty message it's, about yeah. basically caving into abu- emotionally abusive relationships, and that makes everything okay. That's a terrible message to give the kids. That does not work. In addition to not being a very good film, this is at least mostly harmless. Like this, I don't think anyone's going to get it. Mean, like I, I, I feel like it probably shouldn't have to be resolved with violence at the end. That might have been a stronger message for kids, but they're trying to treat it like a superhero motif. I kind of get it. Mm. Uh, This is not challenging. This is not interesting. But my point is this. You're making it for kids, but it's made by adults who have to spend so much time making this. You'd think they could have entertained themselves more. That, you think you think uh, you think something that takes this much effort, even on hmm. the lower end of the spectrum, in terms of like how much time they probably had the money to have to make it, you'd still think you'd want to create something a little more entertaining than
1: this. That's a danger though, um, yeah. because you know that that's what the DreamWorks animation studios kind wow. of fell into from time to time, where it'd be like Almost all contemporary references for the adults. I feel like that's that that's such so the, a fallacy, your, though. Your, the assumption that... Your Shreks that, and your Shark Tales But is... I feel like what I'm saying here is everyone always assumes
0: like, oh, so you want to have like a bunch of dated pop culture jokes? Mm. No, I just want it to be the kind of thing an adult might actually not hate watching. Hmm. Like, I don't feel like we need it to feel like an episode of Mad TV. I just want it to maybe be told in such a way that the jokes are well-timed and funny. Hmm. Or maybe the character beats work and actually mean something. Maybe you could have something to say that matters in the end. Like something. I don't know. Like something like that might have been great. Instead, it's just it's kind of a waste of time. It's a time waster kind of movie. It's a movie that's like, hey, kids, this is almost 90 minutes. Sit down and shut up. Like, that's kind of this movie. Yeah, I, Your I'm, kids aren't going to get anything out of it other than 90 minutes will have passed by the time it's over. Yeah, or I, however I, long it is.
1: I'm not a fan of, of the Ice Age movies. I, I didn't yeah. even like the first one that I think much. That first, uh, I, think, I think the first one's fine. I really do. It, I think it's a it's, perfectly decent kids movie. It's fine. Um, I, I wasn't fond of the character designs. I thought it was novel to set it in the Ice Age with mm. mammals. Uh, but... uh They just never worked for me. I just didn't like the characters that much. I think uh, John Leguizamo's sloth voice just got on my nerves. Uh, And so I kind of pushed the whole series aside, but there was one saving grace and that was the character of Scrat.
0: Yeah, Scrat.
1: Um, Scrat is as funny... A comedic animation creation as anything from the classic Warner Brothers canon. Scrat is uh, a
0: is a little mouse type creature who mm. is constantly trying to rescue his acorn. He's like putting yeah. an acorn away for the for the winter, and there's something always happens that ends up and, b- becoming like apocalyptically terrible. A mountain falls on him. He gets yeah, shot they, into space.
1: And in, in one, he like literally gets caught at the core of the Earth and rips yeah. Pangaea apart just trying to get a, a, a single yeah. Uh, acorn. Yeah, and. Scrat is bodily abused in ways that are hard to imagine. Like, yeah. they've found new ways to mutilate an animal. And I've seen a lot of Roadrunner cartoons. That's what, that's, that's <laughs> the vibe I get from it. It's the same joke over and over again. The mm.
0: gag is, how can we keep this joke funny? And it turns out, if you're creative, you can do it. Yeah, uh, how many times have you
1: seen the coyote die? Well, it, a lot, and they're...
0: If, it's funny pretty much Chuck every Jones time. Chuck Jones was
1: funny about it. Yeah, they had,
0: they had new ways to sort of... Surprise you with how how everything was going to go horribly wrong, mm. and that's kind of how Scrat works. It's how yeah. bad can things go for Scrat, so which the, is why those, I'm particularly pissed that Scrat isn't even in this one. I uh, was going to be next question. Is there, if there is if there at Scrat least short, a Scrat short beforehand? No, no Scrat whatsoever. Uh, Scrat is not in it, and not even not even an unrelated pre credits bit. Just no Scrat. At all. Well, whatsoever. Then what's the fucking point? I can't imagine.
1: <laughs> like, you know, it's like I'm, a Pink Panther cartoon without a, the Pink Panther. If I'm going to see credits. an Ice Age film, yeah. I, I want the scratch short. That's what I came yeah. for. there's certain
0: things. Because I love you,
1: Scrat. <laughs>
0: it would be like if at the end of a Godzilla movie, instead of fighting King Ghidorah, uh, they had they played chess. Like, okay, I admire your
1: ingenuity for trying to like mix up this franchise, but we paid to see them fight. It sounds more like they they face off they meet at the battlefield and Nkita Gidora just flies away yeah and Godzilla just sort of stands there and it's like oh well that's uh, a little
0: anticlimactic but good you learned your lesson you you I've defeated you several times and you're like okay fair enough yeah but yeah, yeah. I, that was that was my biggest honestly that is the biggest complaint I'm glad you mentioned it is that there is no scrap which is uh, a huge waste of, what
1: is that such crap. It's the, the the best thing to one of the best things to come out of Blue Sky. Um, I like the Peanuts movie too. Peanuts movie's good. Yeah.
0: The, the, the Blue Sky did. Uh, Captain Underpants.
1: Uh, no, that was DreamWorks. Okay, what uh, did Blue Sky do? Blue Sky also did. Uh, I think they did the no DreamWorks also did the Rio movies. Mm. Uh, okay, here's what they did. They did Ice Age. They did Robots. Ro- uh, Horton uh, hears
0: a who. Okay. Rio. Uh, the original Rio is fine, I guess uh, Epic, which is one of the most forgettable movies I've ever seen like, Tell me <laughs> anything about the movie Epic, I dare you They did Rio 2 <clears throat> uh, They did the Peanuts movie, which is pretty good it's I think they kind of missed the point at the end, but it's not bad but, They did Ferdinand, which I didn't see They did Spice in disguise, Skies, which I didn't see
1: I saw Spice in disguise. The Skies
0: right? They were going to make an adaptation This pisses me the fuck off, because this was actually like, in the works But because the studio closed, they're not going to do it They were going to adapt to this really wonderful comic book Called Nimona Uh, which was this very witty uh, sort of Middle Ages uh, fantasy story about a shapeshifter who decides to help a bad guy become a better bad guy. Uh, It's (laughs) really good. It's a really, 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 really good uh, comic, and I think you should check it out. Uh, But alas,
1: it's not going to be turned into a movie, Mm -hmm. at least not anytime soon. Real bummer. Yeah, and because of the nature of these big, like, sort of studio buyouts, or you know, studio heads change, uh, change yeah. hands, those projects are always scrapped. Yeah, almost they, always. Yeah, they're they never. They, they never. are never like pass it on to like, the next may, administration. E- eventually, you know? the rights will lapse, and maybe someone will buy it up, but that's mm. probably not. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that's that's what happened with. Uh, Clive Barker or Disney? Yeah, like Disney changed hands. Somebody took the, over, and it, this like epic project he was working. Did on you see wrapped.
0: when when Fox uh, when Fox was bought out? They were they were in the process of making, I think, a Redwall movie.
1: Oh, the yeah,
0: no, not Redwall. What uh, was the one with uh, Mouse Guard? They're oh, making yeah. a Mouse Guard movie, which is this uh, sort of action adventure epic about about mice about mice, yeah. mice heroes and. Um, some of like they showed like some test animation and like some of like the behind the scenes stuff that they were making for it, and it looked unbelievably <laughs> cool. Like it looks like a really yeah. stunning work of animation. And uh, Disney was like, "We don't see any money in it," and they just said no, even yeah. though it was already being being made. It's such it sucks and, so and, much,
1: and now they're just not going.
0: Well, to we've know. got at least we got Buck Wild out of it.
1: Thank goodness. Well, it's. Mm.
0: Moving on. What else you got? Because um, that's it for everything I've seen this week.
1: Okay, well, I've seen uh two other films. Yep. Uh, I saw A Taste of Hunger, uh, which is a Norwegian film starring uh, Nikolai Kusterwaldau. Huh. Uh you might re- he was in uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Uh, yeah. he was also Lannister. He was also the lead in Gods of Egypt. Yep, that's true. Um, uh, so he's been in a few uh, like American and British productions, but he yeah. mostly works in Norway. Uh, and uh, I got to interview him for this movie. Ooh, how was he? Uh, very kind man cool. he was he was very tired because it was late. he was back in uh, uh-huh. in norway so uh, oh, oh wow big time so, difference huh? big time yeah it was like, it was like did, you, did you ask a bunch ahead. of gods
0: of egypt questions
1: uh, no we, we had 10 minutes i didn't get yeah ten but ten you minutes. got he got
0: thrown at least one right
1: well he he was long-winded and you oh, know like, okay. when, in an interview you actually you don't you never interrupt you just let him no no you never yeah. uh, shut up
0: i have another question like no you want the you want you want people to tell yeah. stories so yeah. like you never shut them up yeah but yeah, if they're uh, long-winded, but, you only get like, a chance to ask like two or three questions. So but uh,
1: in A Taste of Hunger, Nikolai Koster-Waldau yeah. plays a restaurateur uh, oh. named Karsten, and his restaurant might have just been visited by the Michelin guy. Nice. The, the, that is the the critic who awards Michelin stars.
0: Which is like the ultimate like award mm. for restaurants. And they 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 come in secret. You're not supposed to yeah. know who it is. In movies, they always know, like, oh, the big the big food critic is like, no, you're not supposed to know who it is. Yeah. is they're supposed to get the
1: food that everyone else gets. <laughs> so um, he he's really stressed out, you think. And yeah. he's even sent people out into the world uh, to sort of check to see, have other restaurants around town seen this person? And yeah. that might be the Michelin. Brand. Keep an eye on that. Are, are they If they go to, like, a lot of ritzy restaurants in a condensed period, that's mm. a good sign. So, uh, and he is in... What's kind of become a cliche, you know, a complete hard ass in the kitchen. He's just needs perfection. Mm -hmm. He demands this. And we get to see in flashbacks how obsessed he is with food and cooking. Okay, How he's, you know, when he, even when he's just having casual dinners with the family and they don't care what they're eating, he insists on things being done a certain way. And he gets really mad at his young daughter when she drops like an egg. I was okay. like, oh, no, we needed that. That was the only one we had. Oh, And, you know, he al- almost yells at his daughter because she messed up a dish. Because he really believes in it. <coughs> it's also not his movie. Oh! Uh, he is, uh, while he's busy sort of going through this drama and living through, you know, the way he prepares food and really focused on the kitchen, uh-huh. uh, his wife, who's played by an actress named Katrine Grease Rosenthal, uh, has seen in his mail a little folded note that says, your wife is having an affair. Oh. Which she is. Oh. So Awkward. She, she finds the note and doesn't know who wrote it or who left it there. Mm-hmm. But she's not going to steal his
0: mail, right? She's got to leave it back on the pile.
1: Yes, of course. That's exactly no, what okay, she's going do. You're going to
0: be a dick about it. That would yeah, be unethical.
1: Yeah, was, <laughs> be unethical to steal mail. Yeah.
0: I may and, be cheating on my husband, but I'm not unethical.
1: But... uh the movie is mostly about her racing from place to place, trying to find who wrote this note, who knows about her affair, Uh the young man she's having an affair with. Right. And to essentially get the situation under control and keep the secret. She doesn't want her husband to find out.
0: Is the twist that she's sleeping with the Michelin critic?
1: No, that's not the twist. Okay, (laughs) That would be a fun (laughs) twist. No, there's no actual twist. It's it's pretty straightforward. um, it, it is about how the secrecy is breaking her down okay. and the panic that she's going through trying to cover up her affair. Uh, okay. and, uh and, and of course, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of flashbacks, so we also get to see how she met the man she's having an affair mm-hmm. with, the reasons she decided to have an affair, right? Uh, and it sounds kind like... of how their relationship was starting to sour before she started sleeping with this other man.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, It sounds like she's in a, like a... Uh a whirlwind trying desperately to make sure that her, to save her marriage. Hmm. Does she want to save her marriage or is it just out of, well, like, at, out of... At
1: first, it's, like, just to save face and sort of keep the status yeah. quo. It's like, no, I just want to... And, you know, you you would think that if she stops it, she'd probably just keep on having the affair. Yeah. But after a while, she realizes kind of how important it is. And eventually, the truth comes to light. Mm-hmm. And I mention that because the movie goes on for a little while after. Okay, It's not cool. just about sort of this big confrontation right at the climax. There's yeah. actually uh a lot of communication had thereafter and sort of the nature of their changing you know what their family dynamic is going to be See, like moving I, forward. I, I
0: like that and th- i haven't seen it. i like mm. it in theory though because so often like the movies end with like i s- or you're a sitcom or, like, or whatever like oh i swear i'll change mm. and i'm like yeah anyone can do that when like in the heat of the moment when you're caught and you feel like this is the moment to say that mm. the question is in a couple of days when everything dies down you actually going to do it? Well, you and, actually going to yeah, put and, in the work? Are you going to go to therapy? What are you going to do? Are, are you yeah.
1: Are you really going to stay together? Are you going to break up? If you do yeah. break up and you have a kid, how is that going to work cause out? Because you I, got
0: here probably because you're stuck in a cycle, right? You yeah. have like you have patterns of behavior. Breaking those isn't necessarily easy. And just promising you're going to do it isn't enough. You actually have yeah, to put yeah. in a lot of effort.
1: So I don't always buy at the end of these movies that everything is going to be okay. But uh, the Nikolai Costar waldau character... Uh, well, he seems like, you know, he's, he's the, mm. the aggrieved party here. His, his yeah. Wife, he he, is wasn't, on he wasn't, he wasn't having, and, and he's not happy about that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he has to sort of acknowledge that the one thing that he's passionate about and mm. the thing that he's working hard to get is like this restaurant is pushing everybody away. Yeah. Uh, and there's even, we even get to see a scene where they first met he and his wife okay. and how she really doesn't care that much about food. She's never had a hot dog before. Oh, and he has to cook her like the finest hot dog ever. He's like, oh, <laughs> just whatever. I'm just drinking. Yeah. She, she cares more about booze. Those okay. the, yeah, she has a lot of cocktails. Throughout she can be the community. restaurant sommelier. She, uh, she's not uh, alcoholic, but she is a connoisseur. Really, no, that you know? that's fine. This don't, don't don't necessarily go hand in hand. Yeah, well, yeah. like I, I said, she's always drinking a cocktail. She's not like ah. indiscriminately a lush. She's just you know. Drink, drinks the way an adult, so does it, so does an adult it European does. So does it uh, work? So it does work. I think there's some emotional maturity in there uh, in terms of uh, the way these characters relate, rather than relying on uh, cheaper melodramatic beats. It's it's pretty good. It's that pretty sounds good, really yeah. good. All right, and then lastly,
0: we have a new film that's going straight to HBO Max uh-huh. called The Fallout.
1: That's right. What is The Fallout? Uh, the Fallout is a new film from uh, director Megan Park, okay. and it stars, uh, what's her name, uh, um, Jenna Ortega from Scream. Oh. oh, she's great. She was just in Scream. Yeah, very talented She's actor. much better here. Uh, I
0: thought she was fine in Scream, but I'm glad to hear she's even better here.
1: Yeah, she's uh, 16 years old. She's going to high school. Uh, she has a younger sister. Uh, the opening scene is, uh, she's really bonding with her younger sister. Her younger sister trusts her a lot. And uh, uh, there's a rather frank scene right at the beginning where the younger sister has just had her period mm. and calls her older sister first. And says, "Oh, what is happening, what's going to happen. And she actually kind of talks her down. It's like, congratulations, this is actually a really cool thing. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you all about it the mm. next time we're together. It's going to be really wonderful. She goes to the bathroom. In the bathroom is one of the uh, high school's like sort of star-dazzling popular girls. And mm. she's like an Instagram star and a star dancer. Uh, but she's not vapid or shallow as those characters tend to be in these movies. Oh, okay. And uh while they're in the bathroom, a school shooting takes place. Oh god. So they they hide together. Uh, Somebody runs in and joins them in the stall to hide from the shooter and he's covered in blood. Uh, Very traumatic thing. They hear the gunshots. Yeah, um would be. the guy they're hiding with, it turns out his brother uh just got shot out in the hallway, so he's covered in his brother's oh, blood. Oh my and,
0: god.
1: Uh And then the movie starts to follow the aftermath, the fallout of it. Yeah. Uh, There's a rather damning montage of her opening up a little keepsake box and putting in a card from a funeral. And then another, and then another, and then another of all of the people who died in the school shooting. Uh, And the way she handles it is, uh, I think, depicted in a pretty frank, realistic fashion. Where, uh, like, how she's dealing with her grief is to sort of run from it a little bit, cut herself off, not, not be like she says that she feels a little bit numb, but she also feels a little bit flip. She's actually like trying to behave as normally as possible. And there's no cracks in that facade. This is the way she's dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes more about moving forward with that in her past than it is about how the grief is constantly hanging on her it's not necessarily about the grieving process. It's about just sort of her emotional journey and the kinds of things she needs to go through uh, in order to feel like she's retaining some sense of normalcy. She Hmm. does eventually go to a school counselor who's played by Shailene Woodley. Okay, oh, Uh, Okay. Like yeah, I like Shirley Seems
0: like she'd be kind of young for that role. Typically, she's like thirty-one now.
1: She's right? like thirty-one now. My yeah.
0: God, when did that
1: happen? <laughs> she was, just she played, she a, was, teenager for, she played for a teenager for played fifteen years. 15 years. years.
0: <laughs> so, like, that means she's still a teenager, right? No, that just means no, okay. No, no, that, that tracks. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Is she good in this? She, Shane Lee Woodley
1: uh, turned 30 in It's so, yeah. perfectly
0: fine. It's just when you keep casting these people as teenagers, it you warps th- our sense th- of how th- old they are. It's, you know?
1: it's kind of sad how many coming of age dramas I've seen with Shane Lee Woodley. She's 24. She's 28. She's mm-hmm. still yeah. a teenager. Um, yeah, she plays the school counselor and she's trying to sort of enact a lot of the cliched psychological language. Mm-hmm. And Jenny Ortega, it's, she doesn't reject it, but it doesn't seem to fit what she's going through. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, she starts kind of developing this friendship with the popular girl that she was hiding with. Uh, ah. girl, girl, uh, she's played by an actress named, let me look her up, uh, Maddie Ziegler. Oh. And... Um, I know that. Maddie, well, you probably... I know Rachel Ziegler has been in, uh, yeah, that, in the public not, eye recently. But, not related, right? Uh, no. I don't think so. Uh, but uh, she... Uh, Maddie Ziegler plays a character whose parents have been in Japan for a long time. Mm. They're still in Japan. There's been a school shooting and they don't come home. So she's just in ah. this gigantic palatial mansion by herself, ah. drinking her her parents' red wine yeah. and hanging out with Jenny Ortega.
0: Uh, Maddie Ziegler, I, she, I didn't see it, but mm. she was in that movie uh, Sia directed, Music.
1: Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I'd heard right. many
0: a thing, but I never got around right. to it. Yeah, so all right, That's well, what I was thinking
1: of. Well, she's fine in this. Good. I know I know. music is of much malign, uh, yeah. but I haven't seen it. Uh, and it's pretty clear from the jump that these two girls are falling in love. Huh. That they're having this kind of uh, growing romantic sexual friendship together that is kind of based more on social interaction than passion because Mm. they're both in this really awkward place in their lives. And this is a weird place to start falling in love or start having a relationship. Um, also neither of them has really sort of, uh, come out or stated their sexuality. So they're also both kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Ortega also, uh, has a dalliance with a man during the course of this movie. Mm. Uh, and, or I guess another teenager, a boy. Yeah. Uh, So, but, you know, she's not, this isn't about her sort of coming to terms with her sexuality. This is just about her exploring who she is. Yeah. And this is a a fine place to explore these sorts of things and these extreme emotional places. And she has to come to peace with the fact that This is doing damage in ways that she can't even really fathom yet.
0: Yeah, that's that's, going to echo. Like, it doesn't even feel
1: like damage has been done, because she doesn't really understand the context of it yet. She's just sort of, like, floating through this. You have no idea how this is going
0: to affect things that happen to you in the future, yeah, yeah. This
1: fallout only takes place, like, maybe, like, two weeks after the shooting. Ah, so it, it is about the sort of immediate reaction rather than the long-term dealing with you know grief and trauma, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate because I oh, think okay. that is a lot more emotionally honest yeah. about the way uh, grief and shock operates mm. than going through a lot of these sort of textbook beats about the stages of grief. Yeah,
0: here's what it's going to be like for you. Here's yeah, like and, almost like a how-to.
1: Anger, yeah. and denial, acceptance, all the rest of that stuff. How does this stack up? Because there have been a lot
0: of movies that have dealt with the topic of School shootings because sadly there have been infinitely too many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've said everything from Gus Van Zandt's Elephant mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Mass came out last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was that uh, uh, what was that awful Oscar winning short. Uh, oh, uh, something the, the Call yeah. something. Never oh. Forget I Love You or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right, that one. Yeah, uh, boy, was that... Mm-hmm. I
1: understand what they were going for. I don't the, think the that one worked film. at all. I thought uh, there was also one from a few years previous about the uh, the administrator who oh, had yeah. the shooter in the office with her. Oh, it yeah, that
0: was yeah. a live action. Story. That was no. actually pretty well handled, mm-hmm. actually, I thought. Um, but uh, how do you feel that
1: this, like, fits into well, the tapestry of what has sadly been forced to become a subgenre? It's become a subgenre, and... There was a scene, if, if you remember in the movie Eighth Grade, where they're having a yeah. shooter drill.
0: Yeah, that was weird. And
1: the kids are bored. Yeah. They're as bored as they are when we had fire drills, earthquake drills here in yeah. Southern California. Um, this has become such a common thing that when they do these shooter drills, it's like, oh, we just get out of class for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And as such, I think this is from a new perspective. Uh, a lot of the okay. previous school shooter movies have been... Uh, dripping with sadness because this is a horrendous act and the horror was always put at the forefront. This one is a weirdly uh, a lot Frank and as such a little bit, it's not making light of it, but is of a lighter tone okay. where it is trying to look at sort of the, the foibles and everything, the, the ups and the downs of everything that somebody goes through yeah. immediately following these things. And they're still able to make jokes and have fun when something horrible has just happened in their lives because they're still humans and they're still going to have the capacity for that. And eventually uh, the main character does kind of come to terms with things and then it has just a a beautiful ending that shows just how Hmm. deep the the wounds are really uh, running. It sounds really good. Yeah, so it's really tactfully handled in a way I haven't seen this sort of tragic event handled before where it's not trying to put the tragedy of the event at the forefront, but the humanity of it. Okay, and and I, that's something I appreciate. That sounds really
0: good. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's review some movies. So um, at the end of every critically acclaimed, we review our new releases on a scale of C minus to C uh, Most movies have some good and some bad. Those are C average. You mm-hmm. know, not not amazing, not bad either. Just it's fine. Uh, C minus is below average. Anything below average, so that could be everything from the worst movie we've ever seen to uh, eh, not very good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, C-plus is above average. And that is everything from, we just kind of recommend this one, we hope you see it, to the literally the greatest movie ever made. Those are all covered under the C-plus
1: banner. Uh, on that note, uh, where does the fallout rate? Uh, a C-plus. Okay. I think there's a pretty good one. I think uh, Jenny Ortega is really, really good. Cool. I think the whole cast is really good. And, yeah, I think it's just sort of emotionally honest in a lot of
0: ways. All right, what about A
1: Taste of Hunger? Uh, a C. Okay. Uh, you know, like, uh, to repeat myself, it's it, it is emotionally frank. I think it does have a good sense of sort of panic. I don't think it's blowing the lid off of anything. Yeah. It's just sort of an effective little drama. Right.
0: Uh, the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Uh, this is a C minus. It's a dispassionate C minus. Like I'm not angry at the movie for existing. Mm. The way I sometimes are for uh, movies that really phone it in for kids. There's a certain extra laziness I find when like you phone it in for kids. That kind of pisses me off. Uh, this is just. A cheap kind of thrown together but relatively harmless. It's just not very good. Mm-hmm. Um then we got uh let's see what was, what was in the, on the thing the house. Uh
1: the house I I like the house. Yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm just a sucker for stop motion so I'm gonna give it a C plus. Uh nice. it's yeah it's on Netflix. It's got a I, I didn't mention it doesn't have like mm-hmm. an all-star cast. It's got like you know, Miranda Richardson is in mm-hmm. it and uh, Matthew Good is in it and mm-hmm. some other Recognizable British actors.
0: Right. Uh, Home Team, starring Kevin James, uh, is another dispassionate C minus. It oh, just God. it just never figures out how to tell this damn story. Like, are you doing the funny, happy Madison version of it? Sometimes, are you doing the actually kind of serious, melodramatic coming of age story about a kid you know reuniting with his father over football? Oh. Sometimes, and neither one's ever convincing because. The comedy undermines the drama and the drama undermines the comedy. So Mm. it just never quite works. There's a story in here somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I'm sure they could have found it if they picked a lane. Uh, And then uh, what do we got here? A hero.
1: A hero, C+. Mm-hmm. I really liked A Hero. It's yeah. one of those panic attack movies. It's, such, it's so damn harrowing. You're, you're, yeah. you're freaking out at every bad decision this guy makes, but yeah. yet you understand every bad decision yeah. he makes. It's
0: not as apocalyptically panic written as, say, Uncut Gems or anything like that, <laughs> where everyone's going right. to die. But there's something even more relatable about it, because it's just... Man, nothing's gonna go right, is it? Yeah. And there, and I don't even get the right to be mad because everyone's got a
1: fucking point. I hate that, but it's also so real.
0: Uh, so yeah, I give it a C plus as well. It's an excellent motion picture. And then I'm curious, we finally landed on New York Ninja.
1: I, I give it a C. Uh, okay. Like, I, I feel like there's, it's lacking that sort of crazy edge. Yeah. All of, like, the craziest part of it is, I think, added by the people who are putting it together after the fact rather than or springing organically from sort of, the weird film that this guy made back in 1984 Um, Uh, but it is just fascinating to see it finally come together. And yeah. I think it's more interesting when you know the story yeah. than it would be if you were just sort of finding this in a video story somewhere. This, 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 like, this should have like an
0: introduction with it. like yeah. Someone's explaining like just how neat this is. And you can watch special features, you'll get there, but that should probably be part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree, it's an interesting archival project. I'm glad it exists and I had fun watching it. Um, it's not so amazing that like you need to see this damn thing now, but um, it's definitely a C for novelty value and a couple of fun action bits. If this sounds like the kind of thing you'd be excited about, like again, if you own a copy of Jim Cotta, this gets elevated specifically for you to a C plus. Mm. Like this is specifically made for you. If you own Tiger Claws, like that's that's where the line is. But if you don't, it's a C. It's of interest. Check it out if you can. Uh, but you, you know. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's it for this week on Critically Acclaimed. We'll be back next week with reviews of Moonfall. Yay! I'm weirdly looking forward to Moonfall. Like, it looks so stupid. I'm just like, be as stupid as you can. I dare Roll, you. I gave Storm a positive review. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an easy mark.
1: Roland Emmerich... Uh he can do it he can he make, can do uh, it he doesn't a, a, always an excellent it.
0: an excellent piece of cheese sometimes he makes a crappy piece of cheese but when he when he's working and he's firing but, on all cylinders he is he is a prime, fun.
1: prime cheese maker and uh, let's let's hope that this so, one yeah so it's been it's, a while since more, more White House down and less 2012
0: based on the trailer it's been a while since we've had a movie that looks unapologetically dumb with this budget so <laughs> hopefully it works out but in any case we got that coming up uh, we got the American release of the worst person in the world We'll be talking about it's that. It's An o- Oscar
1: yeah. uh, contender. Yep. Oscar and hopeful. Uh, ho- what a submission! It's Oscar a submission. submission. It, it
0: could be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and it might be nominated for some other things. It's got like a lot of uh, a lot of traction, and yeah. like Best Actress, and a few other categories. Um. So we got that, and probably a few other things besides. So thank you everybody for listening. If you want to talk to us, boy, are you in for a treat? Because you can email us, and we <laughs> can uh, read your email on upcoming episode of our podcast. We've got mail. Right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, if people prefer to write a letter... No, sometimes right, people right. send us things, too. Right, What's uh, the address to do that? Uh,
1: Panas in Epistolary. Uh, send it to the critically acclaimed network, PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibbiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh,
0: I also have a soap store with my partner, M. Lampus De Silva. It's called Salt Cat Soap. It's on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Salt Cat Soap. It's a Nazi store. We uh, make handcrafted soaps, and we've got some really cool designs out for Valentine's Day. So yeah, if you're yeah. thinking of... Uh, Fun gifts to get people for Valentine's Day. Something that smells really, really sweet. We've got some uh, gift sets of uh, soap hearts that smell very flowery. Some smell very chocolatey. Um, the, the apartment smells delightful right now, I assure you. Uh, Data, D- 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 what is this?
1: It's a human heart. Yes, sir, but it is dipped in chocolate. Ooh.
0: Uh, but anyways we got some really nice gift sets out there so uh, we hope you enjoy them Uh, we hope you consider them for your Valentine's Day needs Uh, and and that's it and that's it oh don't forget if you want to uh, get even more exclusive shows head on over to our Patreon patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order Mm -hmm. every single episode of the 1960s Batman every single movie ever nominated for best picture Uh, we just did a commentary track for one of our favorite comedies brain donors we do hangouts with our patrons every month Uh, a lot going on over there patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network very special thank you to all of our patrons without whom our show could not exist and on that note never forget everyone's a critic is how we end the podcast usually and this time we're going to do it the same way so never forget everyone's a critic again i wanna
1: go to the midnight show i'm sorry what